take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet, perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke. Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. My name is MJ. And I'm Cass. So, as you know, Cass, I am not a huge social media person. Almost like a Luddite when it comes to social media. Yeah, I mean, I have what I need in order to not... Does anyone need social media? (laughs) That's true, but I... Such a weird way to phrase it. Yeah, I mean, I have what I need to not be completely cut off from the grid. But generally, I'm not a huge social media person or social media fan. And this sort of developed over the years. But there's this one moment that I remember very distinctly a few years ago. So as you know, the comment sections on social media articles, they are completely and absolutely insane bonkers absolutely bonkers like uh i mean you'll read a few normal ones but then once in a while you'll scroll to this comment i'm just like what what are you talking about and yeah, don't go down that rabbit hole it's it's not a healthy place to go no 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 so i stopped clicking on comments for pretty much anything um because it's just not a healthy place to be and when i was reading those comments when, when i used to read those comments i like to play this game i called spot the privilege oh <laughs> because it sounds, uh, like a, sounds like a, a good game, good old-fashioned fun. It is a great game. Um, so years ago, I read this article. I believe it's on The Guardian, but I'm not sure. I couldn't find it anymore because it was years ago. And it was talking about uh, heat-related death in Europe. And, I mean, this is already sad. Like, heat-related death was already a thing, like, years ago. Yeah, just a, a quick tangent, because it's so related to what you were just talking about in terms of heat-related deaths. Italy, right, just hit... If the recorded temperature that they had was correct the other day was the hottest temperature ever recorded on the continent of Europe. Yeah. Like, what the? 120. That's like Arizona level. <laughs> you know, that's like Death Valley level. Like, but it's Italy. That's really hot. And I imagine Italy is not as dry as it is in Arizona. That's true. So it's, they're, they're definitely not used to it, like for sure. So yeah, it was an article on heat-related death in Europe. And this was years ago, which kind of tells you how, like, to be fair, we had it coming. We knew about this. I was reading it. And in the comment section, someone said something along the lines of, why don't they just turn on the air conditioner? Oh my gosh. You know, I was like, well, just have more air conditioning and just stay indoors. And I can't tell if he's like, what's the word? Sarcasm? I don't know. Like, I can't tell if he's being serious, but there's no indication that he was being ironic in any way. And I remember staring at that comment. I'm just like, because that that makes me sad inside it makes me really sad it does because i think it just epitomizes the whole idea of it's so hard to get people to care about the environment and public health faces the same issue too because the issues that we care about is very invisible it's very like big but so big to the point where it's hard for people to kind of grasp it and there are people out there who just cannot imagine a world without air conditioning i guess they just can't imagine that some people may not have air conditioning some people may not be able to afford air conditionings. Um, there are some buildings who are built 
centuries ago that was never designed to have air conditioning. Um, and first of all, Europe is just not meant to be that hot in general. But right. But yeah, like this is the classic uh, climate change isn't real because it's snowing where I live. <laughs> Who was was it McConnell? Was it Mitch McConnell? Who threw snowball in, in, in the Senate? I don't I don't know. But. You know, do you know that clip? Yeah, no, I remember. I don't remember who it was. I blocked it out of my head. Yeah, because that was oh, that was just so awful. But anyway, so and I thought about that story or that experience because it's appropriate to the topic that we're talking about today, which is heat. It's summer here in Baltimore. I am constantly sweating. <laughs> I don't know this about is, you. This is the time of year. This is going to be a little bit visual for people. Might might set people off a little bit. But okay, trigger warning. This is the time of year that I refer to as armpit weather. Yes. Because when you are walking around outside, it is hot and damp, and it feels like you are walking through someone's sweaty, stinky armpit. Yes. If the air could be wet, it is. <laughs> that's that's how I would describe it. So I, I woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. A few days a week, I wake up early and I go running. Mm-hmm. I got up this morning, 5.45. Okay, let the dog out. Okay. And was planning to run when I walked, you know, opened the door and walked out to let the dog into the backyard. I was like, nope, not happening. It was <laughs> did you just, 80 degrees. Did you just walk inside? <laughs> well, I let the dog out to pee and I walked inside and was like, I'm going to use the rowing machine because it was 80 degrees and 88% humidity at 545 in the morning. It's not supposed to be that hot and wet at that time of day. That's why I run so early in the morning. Oh, was the sun even out then? Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was light outside i wouldn't say that the sun was like totally up but definitely was like sup how's it going oh geez that yeah but it was so, it was gross at 5 45 yeah hot and humid which is armpit a, a very bad <laughs> a very bad combination but yeah so today is uh, about the environment or it's about climate change and if you care about public health you will care about climate change because public health is about again the health of the public and we are at the mercy of our environment and that environment includes climate can i go on a tangent for a moment go for it so we've talked previously about how people use messaging and framing to mask things that aren't really following the core principles of public health right we in the in the um, sex ed yes episode we talked about that but i think honestly referring to it as climate change has almost done us a bit of a disservice because it's global warming, right? The planet is warming. Literally heating up, yes. But if you think about the term climate change, it's like, oh, well, sure. I mean, the climate could be changing, right? Like that's a natural thing, right? Doesn't, Doesn't climate change all the time? Why is that such a big deal? As opposed to, holy balls, we are warming our planet by one degree Celsius, which is no small thing. Right. Right. And and if we continue as we are, we're going to be warming it even more, resulting in all these crazy weather, natural disasters that we're having. Exactly. And I want to do this episode because I wanted to show that link very clearly that climate does have an almost direct relations to public health, to people's health. And I think the, the whole climate change thing is they use that term because it captures more of what's happening like it's it's heating but it's also like a lot of storms it's also like extreme cold in certain places because you know that's just how weather is a mystery that's just how weather works but but yeah like you're you're absolutely right like you hear climate change and it doesn't trigger like a a fight or flight response because it's, it's it's a very neutral term although it's a more accurate term it's a very neutral term absolutely and yeah it's so hard to get people to care about the environment because it's just so hard to understand you know and so hard to see in real life until today <laughs> until this year well and it goes back to some of the things we've talked about 
again in other episodes, which is something that is going to cost me right now, whether it's a behavior change or an economic investment or whatever it is right now that may save me money or save me harms down the line. People often have a hard time wrapping their minds around that concept. And it's like, well, why should I, why should I change anything right now for something that may or may not happen 20, 50, 100 years in the future? Like, well, your children, your grandchildren, great-grandchildren are going to be experiencing the negative impacts of your choices right now. It's not just you in this moment. It's you in this moment and everyone else's moments in the future. Yeah. With that logic, you go backwards. Like, we are living in the consequences of our parents' choices and our grandparents' choices. Absolutely. And this doesn't just happen at random, right? This was this was the recent report from IPCC. They have shown that this is human caused. And yes, this is our fault, essentially, or, or the previous generations and the generation before that. So I want to do an episode that shows a direct connection between climate and our health. And as you know from the news recently, a few weeks ago, I believe there's a huge heat wave in the Pacific Northwest. So that's Oregon, Seattle, and British Columbia. And that made headlines everywhere because it was a very devastating heat wave. They're about to have another one too. They're about to have another one. It just never ends. Just really quick, because we were talking about the heat wave. Uh I just was looking back really quickly at the weather in my parents' area in Renton. Yeah, it's going to be a high of 97. Oof. The air quality index already at 535 in the morning there is 160. Ugh. So they, they already have unhealthy air quality. Something from the forest fire. Yeah. It's so bad right now. Yeah. And this climate change phenomenon, like heating, global warming phenomenon, is causing a lot of heat death. And I think it's hard for people to think about heat death because most weather-related death that at least is more common is freezing. It's easier for us to imagine freezing to death than it is for us to imagine heat death. People don't really think about heat death, but yeah, you could literally cook to death. Yeah, and this is something we think a lot about in injury prevention, right? So the definition of an injury is there's some transfer of energy that is in excess of the threshold of human tolerance, or it could be an absence of energy, right? So we can think about cold, like you were just talking about, or you can be too hot and Heat is a form of energy, thermal energy. And when you get too hot, your body cannot function, particularly if you don't have water, if you don't have shelter from the elements, in this case, the sun. And that's a, it's an important form of injury risk. Yeah. And so if, if it gets really hot, and usually if, if it's hot for a little bit, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But when it's hot for a prolonged period of times, maybe you're dehydrated, maybe you stop sweating. Usually your brain is the first to go because our brain is the most temperature sensitive organ in the body. And people experience things like nausea, muscle cramps, dehydration, the obvious being sunburn. If it gets hot enough, I'm not a medical professional, but essentially if it gets hot enough, your body will essentially lose the capacity to regulate itself. And we think about You know, it gets hot during the day, right? When the sun is up. But when some of these extreme heat waves come through, it doesn't cool down at night. No, it's hot at night. You think about it being, you know, 90, 95 during the day, but it might drop down to 65 or 70 overnight, at least for a few hours. But some of the heat waves we're seeing, it keeps going. It stays hot all the time, even when the sun is down. And that makes it so hard for people to find a safe place to cool off. Yeah. Right now we're seeing like nights are also hot right now. And it's not so much the instant of heat. It's more the chronic exposure to heat, especially when you don't have a chance to cool down. And obviously they're going back to the air conditioning comments. 
there are some people, some of us, right, to be fair, we're in that group who has the privilege and luxury of being able to work indoors and being able to work in building that have air conditionings. So when we think about heat related death, there are certain population that's more vulnerable than others. In a spirit of public health, it's not just about thinking about you, the individual, whether you feel the heat, but thinking about everyone, thinking about the public. So the vulnerable population are the, is elderly a term that we can still use? Yeah, older adults. Okay. So the vulnerable populations are the older adults, people over 65, they tend to be uh, more vulnerable to heat-related incidents or heat-related death. And other vulnerable populations that have been identified are obviously people who can't afford to not work and especially people who can't afford to not work outside. These tend to be low-income people. Women, women of color, have also been identified as a particularly vulnerable population when it comes to heat-related illnesses or heat-related deaths. And these are, ironically, quote-unquote, essential workers, right? So our essential workers are oftentimes the ones who have the least protection from the heat. Undocumented workers who may be yes. day laborers or working landscaping or construction. Yeah, they can't afford to be inside. They have to work and they, they have to work outside. And heat-related death, a lot of times, for example, if you have respiratory illnesses or if you have you know cardiac illnesses, heat could be a major contributing factor and that just sort of like nudges you over the edge. And that is oftentimes not counted when we, when people are counting heat-related deaths. So just keep that in mind. It's oftentimes an underestimate. I think it's also important to keep in mind that while there are groups where there is greater risk, like this can happen to anybody. So we see college athletes, for example, who are practicing in the heat, who aren't able to properly hydrate or, or take rest, and they can they can die. We've seen that in football players, other athletes. And so, you know, there are groups with elevated risk, but honestly, without intervention, this could be an issue for a broad group of folks. Yeah, of course. We've been talking about heat and sort of the, the temperature, which is certainly really important. And we need to be thinking about the impact of our behaviors on climate. But there are other behaviors that can impact heat that we haven't talked about which is the built environment. So the way we design cities, we've created heat islands in our urban areas where the temperature can be many degrees warmer in an urban area than on the outside. And there's some really cool work that some folks at Hopkins are doing, Kristen Kohler, for example, where they're painting roofs of buildings in Baltimore City to try to reflect the sun away, to try to reduce some of the heat. So you know, yes, there are, you know, we're burning fossil fuels, we're doing, you know, some of these other things, the extraction of fossil fuels, all these pieces that are contributing to warming. But then there are also decisions we make in how we build our cities, how we design buildings that can impact the the heat levels as well. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought this up because the built environment is something that definitely contributes to heat. Asphalt and concrete, they are not cooling like at all. Right. They are heat sponges. Go go walk outside uh, barefoot right now and see how, how cool they feel. Yeah, they're not cooling at all. There's a reason why like places with trees like parks or just neighborhoods with a lot of trees, they tend to be a lot more hospitable in the summer because trees are, you know, they provide shade, you know, for, for one, but they also generate a lot of, it's, okay, I'm not a tree expert. I don't know why I was going on about that, but... <laughs> but Trees are important, right? They generate a lot of oxygen, which are good for us. They generate oxygen, which we need. They provide shade. But the more tr- the more trees there are, the less dense asphalt and concrete might be, right? Because if you have a lot of trees, even if they're just lining the road, 
Like there are a lot of streets in Baltimore where there's nice tree-lined areas, but that can provide shade, as you said. But it just sort of breaks up the like where the sun falls, breaks up all the concrete. It's just a trees are good. Okay, trees are good. Yes, uh, let's plant more trees. I love trees. Okay, so here are some numbers for heat-related mortalities. And to sort of illustrate that climate does play a role and it has been getting progressively worse as the decades roll forward. So heat-related death rate, so this is per million people in the United States, over this decade, so the, from 2010 to 2020, has doubled from the 90s. And if you look at the chart of death rate, it peaks obviously during hotter years. And heat-related emergency room visits, and this I think illustrates a much more poignant picture, the highest point this year, highest number of heat-related emergency room visit per day at 2021 this year is 100 times higher than 2019. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so 100 times more people are visiting the emergency room for heat-related incidents than we had in 2019. And obviously, they're correlated with the temperature of the day. So the hotter the temperature of that day was, the more heat-related emergency room visits there are. Side note, they probably didn't compare it to 2020 because of the stay-at-home orders and everything related to COVID may have impacted that oh so. yes i totally forgot the pandemic was still a thing <laughs> i doubt you forgot i'm just just saying that's probably why they didn't have 2020 data <laughs> to be fair that's probably a more accurate comparison as i think that's why they used 2019 right. yeah no i agree so yeah so that kind of just shows you that heat definitely contributes to these heat related deaths because that's what it is and another thing that people like to use to measure heat related death is excess death which uh, this is a concept that's a little hard to explain. How would you ex explain excess death? Yes. Yeah, so when we think about excess death, we have, for lack of a better phrasing, an expected number of people who are going to die of a particular thing based on prior trends. And when we see more deaths than we expect, those deaths are considered excess, sort of beyond the expected numbers. And that can help us see sort of how much more people are dying from something than we would have thought otherwise. Yeah. So essentially, we have past data, and that sort of serves as our baseline. They did excess death for Washington, Oregon, and British Columbia during the weeks of the heat wave, and they found a very significant difference. So in Washington, there were 450 excess deaths that week of the heat wave. In Oregon, there's 160. In British Columbia, there were 400 plus and counting. And uh, these are during weeks of the heat wave compared to the weeks in the previous year and the year before. But yeah, so... These are numbers that I think shows a very clear linkage between heat and heat-related deaths. And this is all, at the end of the day, this is all attributed to climate change and the rising temperature of the earth. Public health is such a, like it, it's in everything, right? Everything is public health, hence, hence this podcast. Mm -hmm. But it's, I like this discussion that we're having because it highlights so many important strategies and aspects of public health, right? We track trends. What did this death rate look like at this same week for the last several years so we can make comparisons? You know, we're tracking data. We're have, we have surveillance so that we can see what's going on. We're thinking about the impacts of not just individual choices, but also population level impacts, built environment, community, all of these pieces policy. And so this conversation really for me brings together so many of those core components of public health for folks who might not be familiar with the topic or the field this is a good showcase of like what data that we use this is a showcase of what sort of information that we're looking for and what sort of information that we use to make decisions what sort of information that we use to make claims and our research studies what are some solutions that we can do to address climate change and to address these heat related 
deaths. So the solution that we always come back to is vote. Vote for people who care about these issues. Vote for people who advocate for sustainability, who advocate to address climate change. And at the local level too, there are some, as we mentioned in this episode already, there are certain things that you can do at the local level, like planting trees on the sidewalk, like painting the roofs black, uh, sorry, not black, painting the roofs white uh, to reflect the heat. But yeah, vote for those initiatives, vote for those things that can help to reduce the temperature of the city and prevent heat islands. Well, and educate yourself on the stance on climate change by companies that you are buying products from. And like really dig into the details. Don't just read the top line. Oh, they're going to be carbon net zero. But like, how are they doing that? And what does that mean? Is that just their office buildings? Or is that actually the production of their products? Because that's a big difference. And if you don't like the strategies that these companies are using, you don't think they're sufficient, buy your products from somebody else who is more in line with your values when it comes to protecting the environment. Yeah, there's voting in the ballot box. And there's also this thing that you just described, which I like to call voting with your money because- Ooh, nice. That's a good phrase. Yeah. We as consumers, we can tell essentially, I mean, our voice is limited, but we can tell companies that I don't want to buy from you because I don't support your purposes. So I'm going to buy from these other company or this uh, small business because they, they have the values that I align with. So vote with at the ballot and vote with your money. Buy from people that you believe in. Buy from companies that actually have a good stance in being sustainable and being green And if enough of us do this, if enough consumers do this, we potentially have the power to sway the market. And we're starting to see that a little bit with these smaller sustainable brands that are getting traction and they're actually making profit uh, because people are shifting from the big companies to them. And of course, you as an individual, there are actions that you personally can take to combat climate change. The basics, as you know, are probably being sustainable. So reduce, reuse, recycle, compost, compost. I'll leave a link in the show notes to sort of provide more resources for this. But you as an individual, definitely there are actions that you can take to help in this gigantic problem that we have created for ourselves. But anyway. One thing that sounds a little bit tangential, but I think is actually really related, is participating in buy nothing groups. Are you familiar with those? Yes, I love those. Yeah. So I think it's such a great way to, you know, when you have something that you don't want anymore, don't need, but is perfectly functional, you can gift it to someone in your area who is looking for something. So they're not going out and buying a new product. They're reusing something that is perfectly functional and and safe and fine to use. Um, And I think that's a nice way that people can share resources within their community and help people get the things they need without having to buy new products. Yeah. And a big part of it with being sustainable is to just stop buying things, right? That, I, that's a huge People aspect. People can't of it. see me at home, but I just rolled my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like obviously people no, I, buy I, things. I get, I get your point. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can learn about the wonderful omnipresence essence of public health and sustainability. New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
follow us on Twitter at everythingisph or Instagram at everythingispublichealth. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also reach out if you think we missed an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Crifasi. And if you're interested in seeing any of my delicious gluten-free baking creations, you can follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the show directly, we have a Patreon page. You can find the link for that in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.